Why then do we so often hide behind masks? We vacillate between the impulse to reveal ourselves and the impulse to protect ourselves with a blanket of privacy. We long both to be known and to remain hidden. We build walls around us for a number of reasons. Our culture seems to admire the cool hero like James Bond who is tough, self-reliant, emotionally inexpressive, detached from personal involvement, and some of us suppose that we will be liked if we can become such rugged individualists who allow no one inside our strong exteriors. Indeed, some will admire us for those qualities, but admiration does not necessarily lead to intimacy. A more serious reason for our masks is our fear of rejection. To take the step of self-disclosure and then have the friend walk away can be devastating. Many of us have constructed elaborate facades because we are convinced that if people ever saw us as we see ourselves, the sight would repel them. However, as I have watched patients in all kinds of interpersonal situations, I have found that self-disclosure has the opposite effect. When people take off their masks, others are drawn to them. Some of us go to great lengths to hide our humble origins when honesty about them would disarm those around us and pull them into a more intimate connection with us. The concert impresario Saul Hurok liked to say that Marian Anderson hadn't simply grown great, she'd grown great simply, he says. A few years ago, a reporter interviewed Marion and asked her to name the greatest moment of her life. I was in her dressing room at the time and was curious to hear the answer. I knew she had many big moments to choose from. There was the night Toscanini told her that hers was the finest voice of the century. There was the private concert she gave at the White House for the Roosevelts and the King and Queen of England. She had received the $10,000 Bach Award as the person who had done the most for her hometown, Philadelphia. To top it all, there was that Easter Sunday in Washington when she stood beneath the Lincoln statue and sang for a crowd of 75,000, which included cabinet members, Supreme Court justices, and most members of Congress. Which of those big moments did she choose? None of them, said Hurok. Miss Anderson told the reporter that the greatest moment of her life was the day she went home and told her mother she wouldn't have to take in washing anymore. If we build more windows and fewer walls, we will have more friends. One of the last barriers to come down as two people become more and more intimate is the wall of secrecy around their sexual feelings. One of the amazing discoveries I've made in my work is that a majority of married couples never discuss the topic of sex. They have done it regularly for 25 years, but they've never talked about it. Often, they do not even have the vocabulary for doing so. She may refer to his penis as his thing, and he may not know what clitoris means. They never pronounce certain words in their partner's hearing. But when we strip ourselves of our masks, and allow ourselves to be known fully, the sexual experience can be immeasurably heightened. You invite the other to know you sexually, and your mate invites you to know him or her sexually. Sex ought to be an expression of the joy of life, a sharing of the good things in life. Sex that is deeply enjoyed is freely given and taken, with deep, soul-shaking climaxes and makes a well-married couple look at each other from time to time and wink and grin.
We become humble at the remembrance of joys past and expectant of those yet to be enjoyed. In your non-sexual friendships, you can gauge the closeness by whether the two of you can talk freely about your sexuality. Only to intimates do we discuss sex. Among certain groups of men, of course, there is an obsession with the topic, but the locker room talk is mostly bragging and mostly fictional. I'm talking about the sort of friendship that is deep enough for you to describe not only your sexual ecstasies, but also your sexual fears and uncertainties. The best parent-child relationships must eventually accommodate this subject in their conversations. And the earlier you can become free enough to talk about sex with your children, the better your friendship can be. A 34-year-old attorney had talked with me for almost a year about frustrations with his parents. They lived some distance away, but he longed to break down some of his, the barriers between him and his parents, especially his mother. Then he flew home one weekend to tell his father and mother about the divorce that seemed to loom ahead before him. I had no idea how they would take it, he said. There had never been a divorce in my family, and I thought they might be pretty hard on me, but they weren't. They shed some tears, but they were supportive and sympathetic. However, the most important thing to happen that weekend occurred as mom and I were sitting at the kitchen table after breakfast. Now, to appreciate the anecdote, you need to know that my mom never pronounced the word S-E-X in the house and as long as I was growing up. What I learned about the topic, I learned from books, friends, and mostly from girls. There I was, a grown man, sitting with my mother, and she said, I'm so sorry things aren't working out for you and Shirley. I just wish that the two of you could have the kind of relationship your dad and I have. I never knew that sex could be so much fun for old folks. And she got a shy little twinkle in her eye and said, Of course, it's all because of your dad. He's always reading these books and thinking of new things to try. The man's voice had a sense of awe as he related the conversation in my office the following week. He went on, I can't explain it, but something clicked for me there at the kitchen table. I don't know whether it was because mom and I were at last talking about an elemental drive very important to both of us, or whether it was because I felt good to know that my folks had such a good time in bed. Whatever it was, I've had an entirely new perspective on my mom since then. James Joyce recognized that sometimes in the tiny moments of life, light suddenly shed in our whole existence. He would have called this man's experience an epiphany. Thank you.